Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Several clubs hope they gave themselves a boost for the rest of the Premier League season, including Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes is in on a deal that could be worth up to $88 million. He comes from Sporting Lisbon. Another move for United. This one much closer to the deadline. Reports are they have signed striker Odian Agallo. He'll come in on loan for the rest of the season. Igalo has previous Premier League experience with Watford before leaving for China in January of 2017. Perhaps the biggest name to be leaving the Premier League is Christian Eriksen. Gone from Tottenham after six and a half seasons with them. His contract with Inter is complete. Tottenham do well to make $22 million on the transaction as Eriksen's deal was set to expire this summer. Other news from the window. Danny Rose goes from Tottenham to Newcastle on loan. Sheffield United very busy this window. They break their club record spending $29 million on Norwegian Sander Berga. Tottenham splashed $35 million on Steven Bergwijn from PSV. A lot of rumors about Chelsea's Olivier Giroud, but he stays. And despite their transfer ban being lifted, nobody comes into the club. And West Ham. They look set to sign Jared Bowen from Hall. 16 goals in the championship this season could soon be in East London. With all that, we do say hello and welcome to our Transfer Deadline Day special. I am Ahmed Farid in for the entire weekend. We have the entire window covered from every angle and a couple of continents as well. Arlo joined in our Sky Sports studio by Graham Lasso, as you see there. Also here with me is uh, Robbie Musto and Kyle Martino. We will also hear from Sky Sports News chief reporter Brian Swanson throughout the shows. We'll begin right here with you guys. And maybe the biggest story of the day so far is Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes, a move that many people say is a good move for them. Do you agree, Robbie? I do. I mean, he's a quality player. It's exactly what they need. Yes, at $88 million, we're up to that amount. It's a lot of money. But you have to spend a lot of money when you want to bring a player in in January. He's top quality. He's played in World Cups, Champions League, Europa League. He scored five goals in five appearances in, in this season's Europa League with Sporting. And I remember watching the Burnley game where they lost United 2-0. I remember saying after the game, there's a shocking lack of quality in general with Man United that day. Um, and he brings the quality. A really nice technical footballer, a midfield player, can get forward, he can be box-to-box, -box, he can play make, he can play as a number 10. Really the ideal guy to try and get United going in attacking sense and more creativity when teams sit back and defend, he's got the ability to break it down with his, his, his uh, assisting passes and he gets goals as well, so it's a very good sign. Well, especially when you consider who's injured. You know, <laughs> McTominay and Pogba and... 
you know, I'm sure Manchester United fans would be excited about the prospect of he and Pogba together. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But it's rare in a in January transfer window a player like this becomes available. Even more rare, you're able to pry them uh, out of their club. So it's good. That, that's good business for Manchester United. So what do you think about a Gallo, a strike there, a goal scorer? Uh, are you as impressed with that move? Th- this one is more, it, it feels panic by. And, and we know the Rashford injury situation. We know that um, they have a lack of depth in that area and almost have been sort of trialing certain people up there. They have Greenwood um, and his youth. I, I like Agallo and, and, and Robbie. Last time he was in the Premier League, um, he and Dini had a terrific partnership. He's a handful. He can stretch a back line. Uh, typically over his career, his strike rate has been really good. The big question is, you know, he, he left Watford on a, on a bit of a run where he wasn't scoring goals. And then he goes off uh, to, to China. And listen, he was scoring goals there. And whether it's China, whether it's their division, whether it's Bundesliga, goals don't always convert. And he's 30 years old. And for Manchester United, you know, it's a loan, so it's not a huge risk. But it just it, it feels underwhelming. Really underwhelming. I mean, I, I, I'm, it's hard to get my head around it that Odin Agalo signed for Manchester United. Now, I know it's short term. I know it's not costing them a ton of money. And I, and I know that they desperately needed a striker. Now, they couldn't get Josh King to fo- come to the football club from, from Bournemouth. Um, bigger picture-wise, letting um, Lukaku go in the yeah. summer and, and making the pressure on Rashford and Martial in terms of the strikers at the football club, I thought was a, was a big mistake. You let Lukaku go... You better have a plan to bring somebody in. And then, of course, a Rashford injury a couple of weeks ago had them desperate. And it, it smacks of, of scratching around, trying to pick somebody. Igalo at Manchester United, I, I, you know, is Paul Pogba going to be excited about picking out the runs of Igalo? <laughs> well, he might not be there. <laughs> I, I'd rather see Mason Greenwood, Greenwood play a lot mm. more. A young player that's come through as a really good finisher. Mm. And maybe Igalo's just there to be on the bench and to offer something different. But, wow. I mean, I think it begs a different question. We'll get on to Manchester United and talk mm. about it later. Yeah. Who's calling these shots? And and we know Ed Woodward has a big say in, in transactions and recruiting and finding players, but still Manchester United without someone leading that overall strategic discussion on what do we do in transfer windows. 13 Premier League titles for Manchester United. We'll see if these moves here today help them get a little bit closer to 14. We'll go through all 20 teams throughout this two-hour window, but their thoughts on the big picture of today. Let's get it back to Arlo and Graham. Ahmed, thank you very much indeed. Firstly, Graham, broadcasting highlights of my career, being five yards away from Jim White when he <laughs> declares the window closed. It doesn't close <laughs> until Jim White says so. And that was just over there on the Sky Sports news set, as you saw in the uh, walk and talk a little earlier. Odin Agalo, the guys have, have touched mm. on it. It's the biggest surprise, I think, of transfer deadline day. He scored 15 goals for Watford 2015-16. But, but for me, and we were talking about this off-air, it's the stage of his season in China, which is the biggest surprise, perhaps, only just finishing pre season yeah and, and he's got to, he's got to sort of come from a league where the the, the tempo and the the demands are nowhere near the, the likes of the Premier League let alone playing for a club like Manchester United um, so he's got to basically come and, and have another pre-season after mm. tomorrow's game against Wolves Manchester United I think have a 16 day break that's going to be a chance for him to actually have a, a proper Premier League pre-season and see if he's fit uh, for Manchester United look it's a short-term deal I think it, it, it offers them some experience up front, somebody that can hold the ball up, maybe a bit more of a target man, um, gives, gives Ollie an option. Um, but absolutely, in terms of um, surprise, mm. that's up there with the, with the big surprises. I actually, actually had to look where he was playing before mm. 
he signed for Manchester United because he, he's gone completely off the radar as far as I was concerned. Yeah, not usual for a Manchester United signing, but United fans are very excited <laughs> about Bruno Fernandes. And mm. The Manchester Evening News newspaper are predicting that he will start tomorrow. Will be there, Graham, won't be for the big game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Those sides locked on 34 points, both with pretensions to get into the top four in the Champions League spots. That's uh, 12.30 Eastern on NBC tomorrow. Um, who won the transfer window? <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I think on paper, <laughs> you look at Tottenham, and I think they've had a they've had a good window. Um, obviously, Harry Kane um, being injured, um, they haven't gone managed to get a, a, a striker like for like striker uh, to to replace him. But Lacelso signed um, a long term deal. He's 23. I'm really excited by Bergwijn, uh, the PSV player, Dutch international football player, um, 22 years old, um, very exciting. Plays as a bit of a, a winger. Um, but I think can play up front as well. So you, you start to look at the shape of that uh, Spurs creative side um, and they're, they're, looking, they're looking an exciting prospect. And I think that, that, that all three of them, the other player is Jedson Fernandes mm. as well, all three of them are young, they're ready to excite now, but also it's an eye for, I think, re-gauging that Tottenham side and bringing the age down and looking at that sort of identity of a young, exciting mm. team. And we get to sample that for the first time at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday for the game against Manchester City as well. Finally, as we look at the big picture, your old club, Chelsea, mm. were able to sign players, having had the transfer ban lifted, and didn't sign anybody. How surprised uh, were you with that? I, I wasn't surprised at all, actually. I think to go out and get somebody now, you'd have had to spend a fortune. Um, it's, it's only re in recent weeks that Chelsea realised or were given the good news that the, um, the ban had been lifted. They've also got some young players coming through, so you don't want to stop their development as well. Mm. So I think it's a sensible move. It might be a little bit frustrating in the short term, but I think come the summer we'll start to see the picture um, unravel a little bit mm. in terms mm. of their transfer business. Lots more to come here from Sky Sports News HQ, Ahmed, where it's all a little calmer after the window is closed. <laughs> Welcome back to our deadline day special. Liverpool currently a 19-point lead at the top of the table. They are running away with it. They didn't need to do a whole bunch. Minamino coming to the club. That was announced in December, signed in January. Got for a good price, good player there. But, you know, if you're Liverpool right now, don't fix what ain't broken. That appears to <laughs> be the strategy. Not <laughs> it's not broken so far. And so they didn't do much. They didn't need to do much. No, they didn't. And um, if you go back to Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund, it was the same thing, where there was, there was such a long play strategy. And I guess the success he's been able to have in his career, he... he, he buys not only the support when they're ready to stroke a check, and it's not like they don't do business in January, go back to Van Dyke, and, and they wrote a big check for that. It's, it's the timing of when to, to buy, and right now they don't need to buy, and they got a nice little value buy of the Japanese striker that they'll probably sell for four or five times that. <laughs> um, and, and I think they look at keeping Shakiri happy and not going out to, to Roma, and a couple players coming back and getting fit, Oxley chamberlain getting into the team. Mm -hmm. The good part is he almost has kind of bought within by, by giving guys opportunities because they're 19 points clear in the league and thinking to this summer and, and that's the luxury when you're Liverpool playing as well as you're playing you don't even look at this window in any other way than we're set we're satisfied is there a value buy out there and that's what I, that's what we look at with the uh, Minamino yeah I mean, I, there's great options in all areas of the field for them there really is and Liverpool if there's one thing that we've learned over the last few years under the current ownership is that they 
they've got their stuff together in terms of recruitment and who they're going to bring in and planning-wise. It's been brilliantly planned for, what, four years now, where they've improved every area of the team, and there's no reason right now they need to go out in January, which has always been a tough market. I know they bought some big players, but it's a tough market. Um, there's just no area of the field that you think they need somebody. Minamino, you know, that's the advantage you get when you're, you're, you're doing great. You've got a great... You've got a great manager, and the team's doing magic. Any players that come up with value, a value play, um, yeah, I'd like to go to uh, Liverpool with Jurgen Klopp. That's the benefit of that. So no talk about Liverpool really bringing anybody else in. They don't need anybody And, and, and transfer windows, there was a time, and maybe some people still believe the draw of London overpowers Liverpool, there was a time when people would just look at Liverpool and say, not, not for me. I mean, th- those days are gone yeah. with the season they're putting together and what's been happening under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. 41 matches unbeaten, 36 wins for Liverpool. They are rolling right now. The superlatives are endless. I feel like we could have probably filled up two or three graphics with all the things that have happened this season for Liverpool. 70 points through the 24 matches so far. They've got those 19 straight home wins at Anfield. They've defeated every club in the Premier League this season. It's the first time in the club's top flight history they have done that. It is an historic season for Liverpool. It's an historic season for any club in the Premier League, what they are doing so far. So Arlo and Graham, Liverpool squad didn't need to do much, didn't do much, but they are rolling right now. (laughs) They certainly are. Most importantly, Ahmed, they need two more wins to secure Champions League football for next season (laughs) because that's the stat that matters at the moment. Probably only three more wins to win the league. (laughs) Yeah, well, it looks that way, doesn't it? There could be 22 points clear before Manchester City kick off on Sunday. They face Southampton tomorrow. Nice story, Danny Ings Mm. faces them. He's a player that Jurgen Klopp loved. Just didn't go right for him in terms of injuries, but he's scoring a lot of goals for Southampton. Whether he'd like to score one against Liverpool, I'm sure he would. (laughs) Will he tomorrow? We'll have to wait and see. Um, As Robbie mentioned there, they're a club functioning extremely well. When you know a player of the quality uh, of Takumi Minamino, is available for $9 million. You know that your recruitment department is operating at full cylinders, don't you? Certainly, because a lot of it is to do with the intelligence you can get on players, their contracts, how they fit in at their club, what their character's like, and, and the lengths at which Liverpool go to um, is, is really thorough. And it's been built over a long period of time. It has complete um, buy-in from the coach. Jurgen Klopp, as, as Carl was saying, out in Dortmund, is used to that model working with a, with a team, um, helping sort of select long-term prospects for the club. And you look at the weight in that, in, in that squad in terms of age, quality, um, price. There's a blend of all sorts mm. of players, homegrown all the way up to Virgil van Dijk. But it, it's so well aligned on and off the pitch and that squad that it makes sense that, that if there was business to be done, they would have done it. Not because they need to, but because it was the right time. Whether or not they're top of the league, mid-table, what have you, there's a, there's a process that supersedes results, and that is part of their success. Joe Gomez is one that springs to mind, cost around $5 million. He has slotted in beautifully alongside Virgil van Dijk, hasn't he? He certainly has, and again, I think when you create the culture on the pitch, and that comes from the manager, from the playing side, you get a, you get a standard set by the players every day, every single day they train, and Joe Gomez has benefited from the competition, mm. and he's also benefited from the quality of those people around him. And Jurgen Klopp, uh, sorry, Graham, Jurgen Klopp, um, has also said, you know, they, they, they will probably, instead of spending lots of money, they'll promote from within, and we'll get to see the future of Liverpool perhaps once again in the FA Cup replay against Shrewsbury on Tuesday night.
Cultivating the depth is what they've done so well at Liverpool. Now Manchester City have won back-to-back Premier League titles. Going to need a lot to go their way the rest of the season to make it three in a row. No signings, but they are getting some guys back. Those are almost acting as signings as Laporte is back. Leroy Sané is in training. Uh, he's coming back soon. But, Robbie, they got a gap right now. It's a significant gap. Mm. Manchester City, one of the best clubs we've seen in the Premier League the last few years. How do they close that gap with Liverpool? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, the, the gap's come about because of their defensive record this season. The midfield and the front players are the same, and they're still the same quality, and they're still producing some great numbers. It's been defensively. Laporte's been a huge miss for them. We know that, and he's back now, so I get that. And I know it's not an easy window to bring in top players, but I still think, were they looking at a, a great natural defender, another centre-back, Fernandinho's gone back there, and he hasn't been good defensively. I mean, he looks a million dollars on the ball playing out, but in key moments, in, in pushing up and dropping off and off sides and lunging in, he hasn't been great. Stones hasn't developed, I think, the way that we thought he was going to develop. So, again, I know it's not easy. I would have just liked to have seen or heard of a bit more desire from City to look for another really good defender. It's just, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and, and they're unfortunate in that, you know, Stones didn't hit a good stretch where he was performing decent and then got another injury. And, and it was almost like, uh, th- listen, they were going to keep up with Liverpool. Li- the, the season in the gap has much more to do with how good Liverpool are this season than, than Manchester City being bad. There's still so many good pieces to this side. I just, I look at the group and I think to myself, th- there are a couple of, of question marks. Now, Fernandinho just signed another deal. I mean, yeah. how old is he now? 30, 35? It's, another year's deal, it, yeah. it, It's incredible. Yeah. They're still relying on him and Rodri's kind of coming along in that role. I mean, De Bruyne... Is, is still youngish. Leroy Sané, his contract's coming up soon. That, that's a big piece. If they can get Sané to tie in and, and Sterling to be there long term, mm-hmm. then go get a center back, and they're kind of right back in the mix. But if you're City, are you comfortable going into next season where you are? You think you can just, with health, you can bridge that gap? Well, that's gap a good question. Like and they shouldn't be comfortable. They shouldn't be. They've got a big gap to make mm-hmm. up. And we know that City on their day are amazing with the ball. But there's one thing we've learned this season that other teams, Liverpool, have gone by them. And they've gone by them because they're... They're great in so many different areas. They're more durable. Very different team. It's just defensively again for me. If not now, obviously not now, in the summer, they've got to look to bring in another really good And this is David Silva's last season. I mean, he's been huge for them. I mean, there's several players that you've just mentioned right here who are getting on the wrong side of 30 if you're City. This is the championship window. They've been in it here the past few seasons. You wonder, maybe it's starting to close a little bit. you got De Bruyne there at 20, 28, but Aguero, Silva, 34, Fernandinho, 34 as well as we bring in our guys in London once again. You do wonder if this championship window for Manchester City is closing a little bit, guys. Well, it's a good point, and it's an interesting graphic. Fernandinho did sign a, a year's extension this week, 34 years of age, very fit, very good. <laughs> he could play till he's 40. <laughs> On this form, certainly. As Kyle mentions, David Silva is his final season. Mm-hmm. Phil Foden is the man or the heir apparent to that throne. But they are one or two in key areas getting up there in age, whereas Liverpool are staying quite young. What are the key areas in the summer for Pep Guardiola to strengthen to give Liverpool a good challenge next season? Well, as, as Robbie says, defensively, I think that's certainly an area where they'll be looking to, to strengthen. The, the, the difficult thing for Manchester City is the way they play football. John Stones should be excelling there. Yes, he's had some injuries, but he's always carried a vulnerability about him. It gives away a ball in a really dangerous area. And as part of your job as a player is to get the trust of the coach He's the one that you've got to convince to play you week in, week out. And I just don't think John Stones gives that trust to the, to the, to the coach because so far he's made some quite big mistakes. But that's certainly an area. Fernandinho, obviously Rodri's there to replace him. 
But I think in, in lots of areas, they've got such good quality, and mm. then you think, right, who's the next one in? So who's going to replace Aguero? Can Jesus put together form for long enough to, to replace him? Mm. And that's a hard task, such as the standards that they have. So I think, I think all in all, compare them to Liverpool, which are the benchmark, and you think, do they have the depth that they need to sustain a season? Um, and I think at the moment they're, they're, they're running right on the end of, or the edge of that, of that um, being comfortable. Yeah, well, of course, they've reached their third consecutive Carabao Cup final mm. during the week. And with Laporte back and Leroy Sane back, maybe they make a good run at the Champions League as well when the knockout stages begin uh, in March. Just some breaking news. The West Ham co-owner, David Gold, has just confirmed that West Ham have signed Jared Bowen, the prolific striker from Hull City in the Championship. So Jared Bowen, Ahmed, is a hammer. Welcome back to our Transfer Deadline Day special. Quite a bit of news today. Manchester United, this one came kind of late. Odia Nagalo on loan from China. West Ham, this news becoming official just moments ago. You heard Arlo talking about it. Jared Bowen, $33 million, 16 goals in the championship for Hull so far this season. Tottenham acquiring Steven Bergwijn. That was from a couple days ago, $35 million on that deal. And Aston Villa acquiring Borja back in the Premier League for him. We are joined by uh, Sky Sports and out in London, our own Arlo White, Graham Lasso, and a special guest here, Arlo. Yes, we have. Um, welcome to the sofa. Well, your sofa, really, <laughs> Brian, we should say. Uh, thank you for having us. Brian Swanson, chief reporter uh, for Sky Sports News. Um, I suppose on a day like today, in your role, you've got to expect the unexpected, haven't you? We certainly have. We've come to expect the unexpected in this uh, January transfer window. And so it has passed. Who thought we would be talking about Odin Agalu going to Manchester United? Incredible. <laughs> we woke up talking about Joshua King and whether or not he would go there. But here we are talking about Agalu, and it just shows you how quickly these deals can change. Change. It just shows you how we can go from the start of the day in the winter window to the end of the day talking about something completely different. It was unexpected. Mm. It came very much a surprise to all of us. It surprised a lot of people in the newsroom <laughs> behind me. It's got <laughs> to be said, it must surprise you. It was literally this morning, wasn't it? It was, absolutely. This, mm -hmm. this was not something... You tend to sometimes get a feel for mm. how certain deals are progressing and you tend to hear about players. This one came out of nowhere, it's mm. as simple as that. But certainly, as far as Gallo's concerned, this is a loan and this was the, the clincher of this deal. Manchester United only wanted a loan and that's what they've ended up getting. There were reports we thought initially it was going to be an option to buy. That isn't the case. This is simply a loan, and it's going to be a big money move for him. Deals, um, we were always told in January, are very difficult. Deals to get yep. strikers, yeah. even more difficult. There was a lot of talk, a lot of noise around Edinson Cavani at PSG. Was he going to leave to go to Atletico Madrid? Were Chelsea perhaps going to get involved in that? Nothing happened in the end, did it? In the end, ultimately, with Edison Cambani, there was something of a come-and-get-me plea, but it all came down to this, show me the money. He is someone who has paid very, very handsomely at Paris Saint-Germain, and it ultimately was a deal that, that couldn't be reached. Yes, we think Chelsea were interested. We know that Atletico Madrid really tried to get the deal over the line, and Cavani's father himself said that he wanted that move to take place, but ultimately money talks in this game, and he's only, what, two goals away from, I think, his mm. 200th goal at PSG. I still wouldn't rule out a move to America in terms of Inter-Miami, that still potentially could be a deal that goes through because PSG were very clever and very cute with what they said. Thomas Tuchel today saying that he won't be going today, he won't be going on deadline day, but they did leave the window open for potentially a move when the window opens uh, over with you over in America at the middle of next month. And it's probably a, an example of one move affecting another potential move and sticking with Chelsea, obviously the rumours about Olivier Giroud potentially leaving, that 
probably was down to the, the Cavani deal not... Completely agree, and that's where you see this domino effect. You just wonder a sense of frustration with Frank Lampard, and we saw him at his pre-match news conference, because you, you got a sense, you saw how that transfer ban was lifted. Well, surely then, if the transfer ban is lifted, you're going to try and do something. But ultimately, what we have seen in this January window is an element of frustration from some of those sides. I remember one representative saying to me, he said that the problem with the January window is it's full of loan players who aren't playing. <laughs> that's just quite harsh, but uh, you can see a, a degree of truth in that because ultimately here we are sitting looking at Manchester United in particular having uh, about to sign announce, announce a signing of, of what is a very very surprised loan mm. signing. Um, anything about deal sheets just briefly? At the moment we're getting nothing to suggest that any deal sheets have been sent in. We would normally hear by now obviously we're just waiting for Manchester United and West Ham to confirm those deals. If they do go through it would be a surprise if there are any deal sheets tonight. Okay Brian thank you very much for the time being. A lot more to come from Brian a little later in the show. Welcome back. 52 goals scored for Leicester this year. Third most in the Premier League. 24 goals conceded. Third fewest. So didn't need to do a whole bunch. Did get a defender in Ryan Bennett from Wolves. That was about an hour before the deadline. They do say goodbye to Andy King, who was part of that title-winning team. But for Leicester so far, third in the Premier League. You know, things haven't been quite as smooth for them over the last eight matches. You see the first 16, they were rolling last eight. Uh, the points are down. They have more losses, four, and they just had two in those first uh, 16 games. It is the first full season under Brandon Rogers for Leicester City as we get it back to Arlo. And Arlo, I understand that you recently had a discussion just yesterday uh, with Brendan Rodgers about this Leicester City team. I did. I was in the uh, home dressing room at the King Power Stadium, Ahmed, with Brendan. A good 25-minute mm -hmm. chat. Very interesting man to talk to. And when he talked about Leicester City's recruitment department, he was very thorough. And Leicester City are very thorough about not only the quality of the player, but the characters that they sign as well. And when you look at players like Ricardo, you look at Chaglar Suyunchu. Harry Maguire went out last summer. Suyunchu's coming alongside Johnny Evans, who was an another good signing a couple of years ago uh, at centre-back. And they've hardly skipped a beat. So it's a club that is operating at a very high level in the recruitment uh, department. Today, Ryan Bennett's coming on loan, a centre-back, mm. uh, as cover, with an option to buy being reported in the summer from Wolverhampton Wanderers. But Leicester City are 14 points, Graham, clear of fifth place with 14 games to go. Are you surprised they haven't added to that squad to give themselves some insurance? I'm not at all, actually, because, again, I think I look at that Leicester team and I like the balance in the team. Every player fits his position really well, both the full-backs have got excellent qualities defensively and going forwards. They operate really well in wide areas with great quality. Um, you've got good cover in midfield. Um, I think Bennett is an obvious one to bring in in terms of position. Um, and having him on a loan um, you know, means, that, again, they've got, they've got the option at the end of the season. Um, central midfield in DD, um, you know, is such a developing into such a tremendous player. So I think, I think he's showing the trust that he has in that, in that group of players, Brendan Rodgers, and how, um, how he believes that they can continue with the momentum that they gained before Christmas. They've had a quieter mm. and slightly disappointing last few weeks, but I think they'll, they'll come through that and perform really well between now and the end of the season. But they play Chelsea in the early kickoff tomorrow, don't they? And they have to shrug off the disappointments of the semi-final second leg defeat mm. in the Carabao Cup as well. Are there signs they're running out of steam? Well, certainly Tielemans looked like he was running out of steam a little, little while ago. But players, sometimes you just need to reset. You need a little break, a reset mentally and physically, and then you've got that push. Once you can see the finishing line and the rewards at the end of that finishing line, it's amazing how much your energy can suddenly mm. come back. Mm. Well, it'll be an inside the mind, Ahmed, coming up with Brendan Rodgers in a couple of weeks' time. So everyone should look out for that.
Looking forward to that. Arlo, so the team right below Leicester in the table. That is Chelsea. That transfer ban was lifted. Still didn't sign a player. Frank Lampart, we'll hear from him in just a second on that. There were some talks that maybe they would bring in Edinson Cavani from PSG. There were also talks that Olivier Giroud would be leaving the club, but no on that as well. Speaking of Frank Lampard, here are his comments on the window. Can we do a quick game of deadline day deal or no deal? Um, I'm not sure. Go on. Dries Merton's in? No. No deal? Edison Cavani in? I don't want to play the game. <laughs> in that case, Giroud out. You expected that game to go longer, didn't you? <laughs> I'm still trying. I get it. Olivia Giroud out. Deal or no deal? No. Is he happy with that situation? Olivier Giroud in this window has been incredible as a professional and as a man. And uh, we all know that there's been interest and I sat here every um, every press conference and said if it's right for Olivier, for myself, for the club. Um, and he's been impeccable in that period. Um, and I've got huge respect for him for that and as a player. And the answer again is no. As in, will he leave? No. Frank said he didn't want to play the game. Did he look a little bit annoyed to you that they weren't more active? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think ultimately what he, I think ultimately he knows that um, he's doing a good job and he's almost being punished for it. He, he's he's showing that the, the target of this season was to finish in top four. It had to be. And you're looking at Chelsea Football Club, especially when at that time they thought they had a ban. Mm. They're, they're looking at. Well, he's doing the job. He's doing the job really well. And, and Pulisic and other players have been out injured, and they continue to maintain, even though there's been some slips here and there, progression up the table. So, you know, Abramovich, it's hard to know if – I almost get the sense he's not in the I'm going to you know, write any check you want to build a football club anymore. So I think he's saying you're doing a great job. The Giroud situation interests me. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, listen, he's obviously a great character, and it's great morals to, to not, like, make a fuss. But the Euros are coming up. Yeah. So if, 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 if club's going to force you to stay there when you want to leave, you have to play. I, I think he's not been played enough. I mean, I know uh, Tommy Abraham's done a great job, got good numbers, but he hasn't used Giroud at all. And you make a good point. I mean, he's going to want to play in the Euros for France. Yeah, I'm sure he was desperate to get away. And it's just... You know, sometimes being a great pro doesn't always help you. And I'm not saying that he should start kicking cones in training and being a pain in the backside, but that's how often you get away from a football club. But it's not him, and I admire him for that. I think, just back to Frank Lampard on the Chelsea, you know, he has done a great job, but I think he's been there long enough now to see what they need. And the young players have done fantastically well, but they need a little bit of experience now. A little bit of goals, I think. He's talked over the last month or so that they've had plenty of possession, they've created chances but not scored enough goals. The, the, the responsibility is on Tamri Abraham. Other players in that team in the squad have not stepped up. Mason Mount's got five Premier League goals. Christian Pulisic's got five. But when you want to be in the top four, someone's got to come up isn't with more numbers hardest, than five. Isn't that the hardest it thing is to the hardest thing to, Yeah, it is. But if he, if he could find a scoring wide player, not necessarily a striker, that can add experience, that's what he wanted. And I think that's where the frustration comes from. And this young squad have done so well. I've got to keep going now. And this, of course, this target of finishing the top four. I talk about uh, about Manchester United with Cristiano. And uh, he just say good things about uh, Man United. He says he's leaving, he start living his dream here. And uh, he start being a really good player here. 
and uh, I think he's happy with my, my transfer. And I also, I also talk, talk with the coach, Ole, and he says, he, he asks Cristiano about me, and he says good things about me. This is good because uh, Cristiano plays with me in the national team. They know, he knows me, and uh, for me, it's a, it's a good person. We've followed De Bruyne for not just months, but we've followed, uh, followed him for years now, and he's just developed more and more, uh, matured, needed to see... A little bit more of that uh, leadership qualities and it's just like, yeah, Tick is going to be a fantastic Man United player. Fantastic Man United player, no pressure uh, on him. (laughs) So Man United fans have have wanted them to make a big move for quite some time now. Should this quench the appetite of the United fans? Is this enough? Uh, Enough, no. They need a lot more players, Ahmed. But um, in terms of a midfield creator skillful, um, can make things happen, can link with Paul Pogba, that can play slide balls for Martial and for Marcus Rashford. He's a brilliant player. The only, the only kind of caveat really is that United have had a lot of, signed a lot of good players, top players over the last two, three, four, five years that for some reason or for different reasons haven't gone on to be Man United legends or done a great job there. It's up to the team and the manager and the club to evolve so much that this guy enjoys playing in this team and other good players come as well to make it, you know, as part of this transition to get United where they want to be again. But for him, he's a, he's a top player. Well, and, and, and go all the way back to Verón. And, and it's always, that was more about the pressure of coming into a side that was actually good and winning titles. Now the pressure is in, the responsibility would be on him to help turn this Manchester United football club around. And at his age, I'd say his character is the best part of the signing. Listen, he has all the qualities that Robbie's talking about, the ability to bring the ball through the midfield. He can play making great. He can score goals. He will look amazing in a three if they can keep Pogba, if they can get McTominay healthy, if, if, if even Fred keeps playing the way he's playing. That, that's an exciting midfield line. That Now you have some pieces that you're building together. But that's, you know, he's captained his club. He's captained his, his country. He has the character finally in that locker room maybe... It's tough to ask of someone a January signing to come and do that, to, to grab a locker room that doesn't really seem to have anyone kind of leading it yeah. from the field. And there's been more than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has talked about him as a leader. And, and my goodness, they need all his skills, but also, as you said, need his personality. There's not many leaders in that dressing room. And I think, you know, it's tough to go into a club like that and, and to puff your chest out and to start kind of acting as a leader. But to be honest, they need that part of his game as well. So fascinating to see him play. He might play this weekend. He apparently is ready to go, fit and ready. Let's see him play. Mm. There's a difference, right, between the Premier League and playing in, the, in previous leagues out there. There's a different physicality involved. We'll see if Bruno Fernandes uh, takes to that. Another new signee from Manchester United. The team just below them in the table, that is Tottenham. They were fairly active this whole window. Steven Bergwijn from PSV won three titles with PSV in the Netherlands. Uh, then you got Christian Eriksen on his way out. Danny Rose over on loan to Newcastle. Jose Mourinho, very comfortable with the media, so comfortable, in fact, that he can just do his own press conference. First question. Are you expecting any player until the end of the market? First answer, no. <laughs> Let's move. Okay. Second question. Why not? Are you happy with your market? Yes, I am. <laughs> Third question. <laughs> Don't you want a striker? <laughs> Are you happy with the market you've done so far? <laughs> I'm happy. But the next question will be, and the striker. And I have to answer that yes, 
would be better with a striker. Those were all good questions. I'm worried. Maybe he doesn't even need us. Arlo, what do you think of the questions and the answers from Jose? I think Jose would be delighted, Ahmed, if he could have to ask himself questions every week oh, and get his message out there how he wants it. But he seems fairly happy and fairly relaxed. Harry Kane has suffered a, a pretty serious injury. He's going to be mi missing for the most of the rest of the season. So it looks like Lucas Moura, Hyunmin Son will carry on in striker duties. But does it look to you like there's a new, young and pretty exciting midfield emerging for Spurs? Certainly. Uh, Bergwijn is an is a excellent signing. Um, good calibre of player, quality, young, 22 years old, 31 goals and 149 appearances, and he's versatile as well. So that fluid Manchester United creative area, I think, will be well served by him. Obviously, Lo Celso signed a, a, a deal off the back of the, uh, the loan, um, and Gedson, Jetson Fernandez is there. Um, he's been there for a few weeks now, but again, he's a quality young midfield player. They've got to fill a, a Christian Eriksen-sized mm. hole mm. now that he's gone. Um, and I think these are early signs of looking for a player that could be there for a long time, playing that key role that Tottenham have. And you can see them as an exciting group of players going forwards. And without the focal point of Harry Kane, but, you know, in the short term, short to mid-term, they've got to look at ways of, of creating and moving opponents around because they haven't got a lead striker. Have they... Taking their eye off the ball at the fullback position, Graham, because yeah. Danny Rose has gone, uh, Walker Peters has gone, Trippier went last summer, mm. and the reinforcements haven't come in, and centre backs are having to cover in the fullback positions, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think it was a particularly well kept secret that Danny Rose was, hasn't been happy for some time. You could go back a couple of years to the first sounds from him mm. saying that he was, you know, wanted to move. Um, but it does surprise me a little bit. The fullback roles at Tottenham are very important positions um, in terms of the shape of the team. Um, so I think they're definitely light in those positions. They've got players that can fill in, but they're not specialist fullbacks. And obviously, being a fullback, it's an extremely specialist job. <laughs> Some would say Ahmed, the most important position on a football field, or so says Graham Masso. <laughs> How about Wolves? Currently seventh in the table, sits six points outside the top four. Another impressive season for Nuno and that club. Daniel Podence comes in for 22 million. He's got some Champions League experience, scored a goal against Tottenham, in fact, this season in the Champions League. The Portuguese winner, uh, winger, just 24 years old. So, what do you think, uh, uh, Daniel Podence? I like him. Yeah, I like him. And I, I, I like this move because. We talk a lot about recruitment, and there needs to be a profile, a profile of a player that fits a style. And the good thing about Podence is um, you've, got, you've got a low center of gravity. He's, he's strong. He can run with the ball. He can create. He can be an outside-in winger. He can play. Sometimes when they play with a strike partnership, he can be one of those at times. He could even be, and Adama Troy always learned this, a wing back. I mean, he, he's going he's gonna to learn really quickly what the system is, and, and that might be the tough thing is Olympiacos played a totally different style, and, and it's very unique w what you're asked to do as a Wolves player, but I, I think he fits right into what they have. He scored in the Champions League against Spurs this season for Olympiacos, so he's played at the highest level. Um... You've got to like how Wolves do it. George Mendes is a super agent, Portuguese agent, and he advises Wolves' hierarchy and ownership and who to buy. And their recruitment has been brilliant. It really has. And, and we've talked many times about the importance of recruitment at your football club. Wolves have got it right. And when I've looked at this player play, I looked at some clips over the last couple of days, I mean, he really looks a talent. I mean, he, 
He kind of looks a little bit like and moves a little bit like Ed Nazard. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the same guy, <laughs> but he's kind of that jinky small winger, yeah. low centre of gravity, he can move the ball, he's got good skills and good movements. And the way that they play with the five at the back, he can play high car yeah. as, a, as a wide forward. He's got great insurance behind him. I mean, it's, they, they do a great job. Dan Matrore is another player that can play wide. Grab from your borough. <laughs> from Middlesbrough. Didn't do anything in Middlesbrough. Didn't do anything at Villa, but he's doing great work at Wolves. So their recruitment and management, of course, it, it, it reflects in where they are on the league table. Brilliant. Sheffield United, the only newly promoted club, currently not in a relegation fight. They have had a tremendous season, their first season since 2006-2007 in the Premier League. Sander Berga, that record signing for them. Jack Rodwell as well. Many fans recognize that name from Everton. Man City out as Callum Robinson uh, has played for the team very sparingly this season. So Sheffield United, very active on this transfer day. It's been such a tremendous season for them. They've earned points against Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester United. So this is a club that has done damage, and not just against the teams in the bottom of the Premier League. As you take a look at some of the accolades for Sheffield United, newly promoted. Some people thought maybe they'd bounce right back down to the championship, but that does not appear to be the case uh, so far. So, guys, what do we think? Uh, their big signing, the club record signing, Sander Berga. What do we think of him, guys? Well, I mean, I... I think he fits into a system in terms of a midfielder now that's coming into a side that wants to hold the ball, wants to possess, wants to do things, and also need physicality at times. He's young. Um, the difficult thing is the dynamic of the deal and what it's going to do to a club that has earned promotion and everyone wants new deals. Mm. Here comes a record signing that I promise you, if he's not the highest paid player, he's one of them because that's the beginning of now they have to satisfy the ambition that they've set. And Chris Wilder signed a new deal two weeks ago. Mm. That's the interesting thing in windows after you find success as a newly promoted club is it creates financial economic difficulty. But, it, but isn't this the right thing to do? Yeah, I think it's a great to. time to add players when you're going well. They've added five players. There's no sign of a panic by here. Brian talked about punishment. Panic, panic buying to, to buy a record to get a record signing in January they must have had this thought for a long period of time and this guy's a big guy six foot five he can move quickly I think both parents uh, and his older brother played or do play professional basketball mm. and I've watched some clips of him again the last couple of days and he can move I mean of all the players signed in this window well, that's a couple of days. I'm excited to see this guy because I think he can add a lot to it. Um, and it just smacks of, again, Chris Wilder and a football club that are planning really well. They want to add a lot of players to a team that's done so well, and it's so the right time. Well, to and play. the good thing about the defensive players outside of Jack Robinson, all loans. So, and, and, and they were just talking about it over there. Especially at a club like Sheffield United, we just talked about Wolves and having a, you know, a, a really unique system. I mean... A back three with center backs that bomb forward. You, you have to make sure that center backs. I mean, any center back in the world would probably love playing at Sheffield United because of that. But but the unique ideas that they have as a football club means yeah, tr trial for six months, loan out some players and try to get some defenders that see if any of them can fit. The only thing interesting is the midfield players, the three midfield players of Sheffield United, have been really good. They've been really good. And now a new player comes in that wants to play in there. I mean, he's he's so big and versatile that he probably can play mm -hmm. as one of those overlapping center backs. But I think it's a brilliant acquisition. A Norwegian international player. He's got 20 caps. He's 21 years of age. So, big future. That's a big get for Sheffield. And a testament for the club supporting their manager to give him a big yeah. signing like that.
that. Defensively, they've been so good. Just 23 goals conceded for Sheffield United this year, second fewest in the Premier League. So maybe a lot of people surprised to see them as high in the table as they are. Perhaps a lot of people surprised to see Southampton currently ninth. They got five wins in their last seven Premier League matches. They're on their way up as Ralph Hasenhuttle's team. Here's what they did on transfer deadline day. Kyle Walker-Peters on loan. He is in. You see Ralph Hasenhuttle. So this is a club that... You know, they've conceded a lot of goals, 42 goals conceded, but they're finding ways to win. And I think there were a lot of times this year, Kyle, first half of the season, people thought this might just not be the right fit, Ralph, with this club. And now it looks like a match made in heaven. And we, we, we um, I'm going to have to talk about this. Every single season we sit here and we get asked the question, should a manager go, should a manager stay? Uh, Musto tends to be the guy that waits a little longer. He's very, More very patient. Me, More me, patient. I bring the axe down. What, what an incredible decision as a football club to say. And we saw it. I, I, you know, I, I think we watched them week in, week out and said, there are pieces here. But we, did, we didn't get a sense that it was coming to an end with him, did we? No, never. But, but the results, the, 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 you, you saw what happened the first half of the season. Yeah. He could have easily been sacked at any other club. So, you know, good for Southampton. I think Kyle Walker-Peters is an excellent get on loan. I'm actually surprised Spurs would, would let him go. But I mean, Pochettino loved him. Uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> Mourinho doesn't think as highly as the, of the young player. But um, Cedric Soares leaving is an interesting one. Well, I think his contract's uh, coming to an end, and he's not uh, shown any interest to sign a new contract. So that's good business, isn't it? You let, you let yeah. Cedric Soares go to Arsenal. Um, that's going to satisfy him. And you have a replacement ready, uh, ready made in Carl Walker-Peters. Mm. I, again, like you, I, I've been impressed with what he's done at, uh, at Tottenham. I think it's a great signing for uh, Sam. And it can't all be the manager. You have to have players step up along the way. Danny Ings, 14 goals this season. That's tied third most in the Premier League. So they have had the players that have risen to the occasion this year. Yeah, and for Ings, you know, I, I, um, you know I've talked about it before. I had a career-ending injury and, and had a point in my career where a bad injury set me on a different track where I could get back on. For Ings to be you know, suffering injuries at Liverpool and all, all these things that could have derailed him, to hit his form again, you, you just, I don't know, I feel I feel good about him and obviously showing what he's capable of. You talked about the goals they've conceded but, yeah. but recently they haven't and, and that's been the big change and he's tried all sorts of different systems, he's more on a kind of a 4-4-2 right now and sometimes you know we sit here and try and analyse everything but the Southampton's been difficult because it's like wow, they're, they're going so strongly now and you think well why, where was that a few months ago? Sure. But the manager, Hassan Hurtle has sorted it out and he's got his players to believe to stick with him and Ings has scored throughout the season to be fair but now they're very strong as a team, good system, good shape and, and full of confidence. Here's Arsenal, who have just two wins in their last 16 Premier League matches. That is amazing. Pablo Marie on loan with an option to buy the Spanish defender. He's a center back. Also, you got Cedric Suarez. We just talked about him on loan from Southampton, injured right now, experienced defender. But Mikel Arteta has had his eye on him, even dating back to his time at Man City. So, Arlo, it seems as though for Arsenal right now, defense has been a priority. Absolutely, Ahmed, and not before time, I think, Ryan. <laughs> um, they have become the epitome of a mid-table team. Tenth place, they're ten points off the top four. They're seven points off the bottom three. A decent enough schedule coming up. Burnley, Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, Brighton, Southampton, Norwich. So this could be a defining period. But the football world has been screaming for them to, to sign defenders and they've got two through the door in the window. Well, they have. Is it enough? Well, I don't think it is, actually, but... <laughs> People have been talking about their defence for the last three or four years. You know, David Luiz going there in, in the summer from Chelsea. I remember at the time saying that, you know, it'll go one of two ways. He'll either be exceptional and become a legend at the club because of the way he plays, or, you know, it could go horribly wrong. And at the moment, I think he has moments where he, 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 he leads by example and plays well, but he's got, he's got mistakes in him. He makes rash decisions. 
and Arsenal's defensive, um, or the lack of um, solid defending um, and consistency is costing them hugely. I mean, conceded 34 goals. Mm. And, and minus two, and goal, minus two goal difference at this stage of a season. And, and so, actually, if I'm looking at Arsenal, I'm th- I would be thinking, you've got to really shore up that defence. Because, as you say, seven points from... I know it's very tight in there, but seven points from relegation. You know, if they continue to leak goals like that, um, they could find themselves on the end of a few really difficult results in the coming weeks. Um, and Mari coming in from Flamengo um, in Brazil... Played against um, Liverpool in the World Club he, final, he didn't did. he? did. He's got experience, but he's got to come in and, and, and do a job immediately for them. Um, so it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a, a really interesting, shall mm, we say, mm. couple of weeks for Arsenal. How would you grade Mikel Arteta so far? Well, look, he's, you've, you've got to give him a pass this year because he's come in and he, he's doing as much to try and win a game as he is trying to understand what's going on within the team, what's the dynamic with the group, where does he need players... This is a difficult window for someone in that position. He's got to just keep his head, stick to his principles and his values, which I'm sure he'll do, and look to the summer and just just try and make sure this team consolidates itself. Okay, Graham, from North London, we'll go south to the river. Uh, Ahmed, and talk a bit of Crystal Palace. Yeah, Crystal Palace on a roll here. Just two losses, their last 11 Premier League matches. Here's what they did today. Not a whole lot of movement. You get Jenk Tosin from Everton. Struggled at Everton after coming there a couple years ago. He's already played for Palace. Scored at Manchester City, if you remember. Maybe the biggest thing is they didn't lose Patrick Van Aanholt. Rumors about a possible departure to PSV, but that did not materialize for Crystal Palace, a team that currently sits 11th in the table. And here's where they sit this season as compared to last year. Last year at this time, they were in 15th place. This year, they're all the way up to 11th. Goal scoring has been an issue for them. Just 22 goals scored this season. That is the second fewest in the Premier League, and that is a bit puzzling when you got a guy like Wilfred Zaha, who, you know, I guess it's always a win, when you exit a transfer deadline day, and he is still on your club, as he is with Crystal Palace. Well, the valuation that they have on him, um, he will always (laughs) stay at the club. You know, there are big clubs going after them, and I understand Crystal Palace throwing an 80 million pound or whatever it is today price tag on him because clubs like Bayern Munich are kicking the tires. I mean, one of the reasons Bayern Munich went off of Leroy Sané was was the form of of Will Zaha. But, Robbie, I just find it fascinating that his name was not mentioned Mm. whatsoever. And, And also, Everton... You know, they loan Chink Tosin. Everton were the one that lobbed in a bid that wasn't accepted in the summer for, for mm. Will Zaha, but, but nothing. I think you look at his performances, he's got last season, really good season, 10 goals and five assists. This season so far, three goals and two assists. He needs to focus on performance. I, I just think after the frustrations of the summer, wanted to get away, we've looked at him play many times this season and he's, he looks frustrated. He looks like... You know, the world's against him a little bit. And I think it's reflected in his numbers. I, I guarantee if he gets his head down and, and scores and assists and get back to his very, very best level, at 27 years of age, he's still there for in the summer for a big club if that's what he wants to come in and try and get him. But they won't, absolutely won't, and to your point. I think that's why it's been quiet in January. There's no rumours, there's no talk about him leaving because he hasn't played so well. So he's got to get down playing if he wants to to get away and get back to his best. Then he might leave in the summer. And we talked about how that affected, you know, Christian Eriksen, the uncertainty. And it seems like as far as Zaha is at Crystal Palace, he'll always have that uncertainty hanging over his head. Well, and um, I remember Roy Hodgson doing an interview after the summer he didn't go and almost kind of saying... Um, you know, tough luck, tough luck, guy. You got to, you got to handle it. And and in a way, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of shedding light on how bad it was behind the scenes. But he's right. I mean, this is the football club you play for. They they write your checks. I mean, it, it, you have to start performing. 
if you want to move. Yeah, and there may be an argument that some people say, you know what, that was the right time for him to go, that it was a big offer, and the club owed it, uh, him to go and, and pursue his dream and play at a bigger club. There's an argument. I'm not one of them. I'm more of a club. Listen, you signed here on a contract. Well, especially, yeah, we he re-upped for huge money, too. Yeah, yeah. so he, he, they, need, they want him to honour the contract. Well, certainly more of it anyway. And yeah. I, just, I just think if he wants to leave, he's got to get back to his best. He's nowhere near his best right now. So maybe that's glass half full if you're Crystal Palace, that you are 11th in the table without your best yeah. player being at his best right now. The team just below them is Everton, which you wouldn't have thought they'd be 12th in the table if we were talking just a little bit ago. Deadline day, they didn't do a whole lot. You see just the, the three players going out on loan. No one coming back in, but perhaps the... The biggest acquisition they have gotten is Carlo Ancelotti. So this is since Marco Silva was sacked in the run that they have gone on here. They did sit in that relegation zone when Silva was fired. Now you see they're 12th in the table. It appears that whatever Carlo Ancelotti has done has been working here for uh, for Everton. So guys, so far so good in the, uh, the Carlo mm. Ancelotti uh, situation mm. here for Everton. It appears so, Ahmed, yes. Now, when it comes to not signing anyone in the January window, they did spend $150 million last summer. Everton, like Arsenal, seven points off the bottom three. I'm going to read you their fixtures coming up in a minute, and I don't know how Roger Bennett sleeps at night at the moment, <laughs> let me tell you. We love a rumour during the January transfer window. The best one I heard was Richarlison to Barcelona. They'd made a bid, it was being reported, $112 million. <laughs> I'd love to have been in the dressing room, Milo, when that, when that broke, the Everton dressing room. The players must have been looking around at each other. If that, if that was the case, should they have taken it? Oh, absolutely they should have taken it, but... For some reason, I don't think it was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Just what call a, me sus super uh, suspicious of, of, of that sort of reason. Well, he's in the Brazil squad. He's, he's, he's started games for the, for the Brazil national team and he's probably, arguably, Everton's best player at the moment. Oh, certainly, yeah. He's, he's doing really well for Everton. I like him as a player. I, I really do. I think his work rate, his tenacity, he's, he, he, he's got a good eye for goal. He's got lots of qualities, but... I don't see someone that's played consistently enough at the highest level to attract the attention of Barcelona from a serious point of view. Mm. Um, but, but clearly he's a very important player for them. And, you know, Calvert-Lewin is playing much better now that Ancelotti's there as well. So the combination of the two of them is quite a good blend. So Ancelotti then, he's great mm. so far for you? Well, he's done well, excellent. Um, three wins, two draws and, and one loss so far. So that's a very good turnaround. And I think that at Everton's one of their big problems was that sort of that negativity. It just felt mm. so felt so down and hostile there uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and his role, that calm, mature, grown-up way of doing things that he does, nothing ever seems to fluster him. Well, he won't be flustered, I'm sure, <laughs> by going to Vicarage Road. But that's the next test tomorrow with Nigel Pearson's mm. resurgent Hornets. But Ahmed, listen to this. After that, Arsenal, Manchester United, Chelsea. <laughs> and Liverpool on a Monday night. That is a tough schedule for a team that are seven points clear of the bottom three. How about Burnley? How active were they? Not very. Josh Brownhill from Bristol City. He's in, was playing in the championship uh, for Bristol City. 24-year-old midfielder out is Naki Wells. Also, uh, he's going out to Bristol City. If you're scoring at home, those were two separate deals, not the same deal. So, you know, this is not unusual. Robbie, for, for Burnley, they don't often spend a whole lot of money and they've been able to, to hang around in the middle of the pack. Yeah, it's just credit to the club, to the manager, Sean Dyche, who's the perfect man to manage this club. We know 
that they're one of the lo lowest in terms of salaries in the Premier League. Their net spend is one of the lowest over the last, well, since they've been in the Premier League, and they do a great job. When they do spend money, they've got to make sure they spend it well. $12 million for them is a lot of money. Mm. And Josh Brownhill, I haven't seen a lot of him play, but 24 years of age, five goals, two assists so far, and 28 in the Championship. You know, looks like a good acquisition. Midfield, they've got a few midfield players, steady eddies. They need something a little bit different in midfield. But he does a really good job there. Well, and I think back to the first season when, when, when Burnley came up. And I remember us saying, you know, they almost got relegated with, with more moral victories than any other club. Um, and, and they were OK because the structure was invest in the side, invest in, in the training facilities, make sure that we're a sustainable club that can handle that. Burnley will never be the go take a risk on old players and high wages. And they, they will always be this kind of steady Eddie. And, and they've almost gotten back to that aesthetically and that playing a little bit more direct, having a strike partnership. So... Yeah, I, I doubt Sean Deitch was going in and knocking on the owner's door saying, where's my money? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just over the recent weeks, it was a little bit worrying for them. They were starting to head towards the bottom of the league table. And I did worry that, you know, is the voice of Sean Deitch just getting a little bit old, the same messages, the same style of football, the same players for the most part. But he's rallied them again. He's revved them up again. They got a couple of back-to-back -back wins in the Premier League yeah. to get them away from that area. So he's, he's done a great job. And, uh, you know, even if, they, if it, even if it did go wrong and they went down... The club would stick with the manager, mm. and as Carl says, there's no big financial uh, alarm bells going off. They'd hopefully, you know, get the results and get back up again. Sean Deitch, eighth season as the Burnley manager, has them 13th in the table. The team just below them is Newcastle, and they were active. Nabil Bentaleb is in on loan with an option to buy. Former Tottenham player Valentino Lazaro also in on loan. And Danny Rose, also from Tottenham. He's been with Tottenham for a while now, out on loan with Newcastle. Comments from Danny Rose on coming there. I was watching uh, Newcastle play Chelsea and you know, I saw you know the, the injury that Jetro had and... Um, you know, straight away, I just, uh, you know, got on the phone to my agent and said, you know, I, I want to go there. And, uh, yeah, it took probably, you know, a week to ten days to, to get there, but, you know, I'm happy that I'm here. You know, I'm just looking forward to um, obviously being involved and, you know, feeling part of the squad again. Um, yeah, you know, making my debut, you know, in front of, you know, 50,000 50, fans is, you know, it'll be very special and, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's something I'm looking forward to. There was a player, Bubakar Sumari, Kyle, who we were talking about before the show, that, uh, according to Steve Bruce, would have been a club record signing that they just missed out on right before the deadline. Couldn't come to terms with the players, but they were very active on this deadline. Yeah, and we were sitting uh, in, in the... Uh room watching on the on the big projection screen with yeah. all the action going on with Sky Sports and a really honest interview came up uh, w with Steve Bruce where you saw his disappointment and, and that being their number one target fantastic player with high pedigree thinking you know with all the injuries they have especially in that midfield area mm. this guy plugs in and helps us it could be deflating to lose that at the last minute they also went now for Giroud didn't get that and, and I look at it at Bentaleb, you know, it, it's another player like St. Maximin with a little bit of a, is there a personality issue? Does, it, does this become a player as talented as he is that upsets the locker room a little bit? Yeah, and with Danny Rose, I mean, it, for whatever happened at Spurs, he wasn't staying there, um, which I think is a shame because I, I really like him as a player. And, but it's great and refreshing for Newcastle United that a player with such great experience and great attributes wants to come and join your club. So it sounds like he's excited to go there. I don't necessarily like the fact that he saw somebody injured and thought, well, that's my position. I'm going to get onto my agent about going there. I don't, I, that feels a bit strange to me. <laughs> but he did it, and he's there now. Yeah. He's his own agent. Did he get his own fee for, for, for negotiating that <laughs> yeah, deal? Yeah. It's like, I'll go where I want to go, right there. <laughs> so uh, Newcastle United, 
14th in the table right now, although I think a lot of people, when they lost Rafa Benitez mm. last year, wondered where they would be. Mm. Probably in a little bit better spot than maybe those people had thought. Here's Brighton currently sitting in 15th, two points above the relegation zone. Uh, Aaron Moy is in, has been with Brighton all season long, but this is now a permanent deal. And then you got uh, Tarek Lamptey brought in today, a Chelsea Academy product, comes over to Brighton on a permanent deal. He is just uh, 19 years old, so going from Chelsea over to Brighton. So here's last season versus this season. You got Graham Potter in comes with much accolades. You can debate how the results have been so far. Doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference, even though, you know, Graham Potter has done such great things throughout his coaching career. So far, maybe a bit of a slow start, Kyle? I, th- I think anytime you talk style change, you have a big risk. Uh, I think Stoke is a perfect example of being com- consistent under Pulis, being a team that had a certain style, they were committed to it, and then they got ambitious and want- want- wanted to be free-flowing, wanted to bring in European yeah, Crystal players. Palace too, wasn't it? They did yeah, Palace as well. And, um, you know, DeBoer's system didn't, didn't work out all that well. So, you know... I will say that the points don't support it, right? And it will take some time. And eventually, it, it may be the risk of relegation. But it's passing the eye test. Just for me, it's, at a start, more enjoyable to watch. But I, I do see it clicking in a bit and some of his ideas getting over to the players. It's a, it's a great thing to see unfold because, yeah. you know, mostly people would say, you, got, you know, for a team that's not got that much talent, you've got to grind your way through. And that's been the kind of the historic way of doing it. He wants to do it differently. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Trussard's a new player that came in. Neil Mopé's a young striker that came in. And they've looked good. And they've added the finishing touches. It's just, we'll have to wait and see. This is just a wait and see one. Does Chris Hewton style better? I think the fans will enjoy this football a lot more than what, what uh, Graham Potter's doing, but it's all about the results. It's all about staying in the Premier League. Yeah, it's just that overrides league. everything. Yeah. It's just which league will they enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, right. You go through the transition, you hope you can stay up as you go through that transition. Brighton trying to do that uh, right now. How about Dean Smith and uh, Aston Villa? How active were they in this winter window? Uh, pretty active here. You got uh, Samata. Uh, Wesley out for the season, of course, with injuries, so uh, Buana will help uh, fill that gap a bit here. There you got a name that you recognize with the goalkeeper. Keeper. Pepe Arena, experienced keepers, been all over the world, uh, going to help fill the void of the Tom Heaton injury. Uh, so here's here's Aston Villa, and and you do have some success. You saw him celebrating on the field just uh, last week. They reached the cup final, so that is good, Robbie. But what is not good is is they're in that relegation conversation. They are, and I tell you what, they're all in. They signed a lot of players in the summer, lots of money, lots of different ideas for the manager to work with. Another, what, five added, two strikers added, Pepperino, goalkeeper added. So they, they're all in. This is very different to the, to the likes of the, some of the other teams, the Burnleys and the Bournemouths, uh, that, that are much more cautious. Um, in terms of what they've got, we'll have to wait and see. Samata from Genk again. Genk have sold a lot of players, by the way, to the Premier League this window. But I think he can do well for them up front. He looked lively in the, in the cup, cup game. But interesting, they're, they're desperate to stay in the league, obviously. I, I, I get a, a, inter- that brings up an interesting question I want to ask you because you were in this situation of, mm. you know, I remember them saying we're not going to celebrate getting promoted to, to the Premier League because we deserve to be the rest of Villa, a massive club. Now they have a chance of a trophy and maybe staying in the Premier League. I mean, wh- which would you take? Trophy. Yeah. And I've been in the situation. Yeah. And I got both. I, got, well, I, I missed a trophy and we got relegated. So that wasn't great. So you didn't get anything. But given the choice, <laughs> given the choice, I think if you can win a, a League Cup final, they're in. Against, against, against Man City. 
you know, I, I think that's something that you've got forever. And, yeah. and, and I'd back myself and my team to bounce back into the Premier League. But it's a tough one. I mean, they'll hope that they can, with these signings, with the additions that they've got enough, I still think, even though they've done this, they are going to be right in it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think they oh, might think be right in it towards the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. They've won three of their last six, so maybe they're starting to, to find their form. Aston Villa sitting 16th in the table in the Premier League. And a team just below them that a lot of people didn't think would be down here. That is, that is West Ham on their second manager of the season. David Moyes is back. He got some help coming in. But Darren Randolph back for his second stint with West Ham. Tomas Suchek was in London Stadium during the Liverpool game, waving that towel around. So he is joining the team as well. as So is this guy. Jared Brown from Hull, 23-year-old, uh, excuse me, Jared Bowen, uh, 23-year-old, has been one of the best players in the championship this season. You see what he has done since August of 2017. There is nobody who has scored more goals. He has 52 in the championship. So, seems like they got a, a, a goal score, something that every team, we hear from every manager saying, we're looking for that. They found one. Well, we'll see if they found one. They found one that scored in the division below. Doesn't always mean they're going to score in the Premier League. And West Ham have been trying to find one in terms of a striker that can score consistently for a long time. And the last striker that scored consistently was a winger in Arnautovic, who they let go. Um, I remember, if you, if you look at, and that's a long run of being a good goal scorer in the division below, the leading scorer of the season before he took over was Chris Wood. And Chris Wood has come into the Premier League and not has been, not has been a dominant or the, put up the same number. So, you know, it's a bright young talent who scores goals. We'll see if it, if it converts. Sebastian Allaire has been disappointing. Mm. You know, I thought when he came into this league from what he's done before, that he'd be ideal in some ways. Physical's got a little bit about him in terms of ability. He started off great scoring goals, but the goals have dried up. And, you know, sometimes your star players will have to step aside. Now, of course, we don't know from a young player going from the Championship scoring goals to the Premier League. It's a huge jump up in, in all regards, yeah. but I like it. I like it as a move. I like it that David Moyes has got somebody else now that, that maybe offers a goal threat because that's what they need. They'll be defensively stronger under his coaching style, mm. but they need players to step up and score. Welcome back. Bournemouth's fifth straight season in the Premier League since being promoted in 2015, currently in that relegation zone. Perhaps the biggest move today is not even on this graphic. It was being able to retain Joshua King. Heavy interest from Manchester United, but he does stay with Bournemouth. Important for them. I mean, really important for them. Interesting, if the reports are correct, that they actually would have let him go. Uh, you know, if it, was a, if, it, if it was a permanent buy, they were going to obviously expect a big chunk of change, but they were, they were going to sell him. So, you know, I, I Joshua King falls in the kind of Wolf Zaha and, and, and other list of players that seem to be primed and ready to move on to the next challenge. So I, I wonder if this is his last six months um, at the club, but keeping him, you know, of course, because they are in a delicate situation with where they're on the table is, is massive. Nathan Ake as well, defender for Bournemouth, was talking about him leaving the football club earlier in the window. Really good defender. So uh, both players, important for them to stay. I just wondered if Bournemouth might have gone for another defender. We know Steve Cook and Simon Francis have been there a long time. They're ageing a little bit. You often see those two players struggling mm-hmm. with last-ditch tackles. Chris Meppham's a new player there. I just wondered if they might have gone for somebody else. Because when you look at the front players, David Brooks apparently is coming back soon. He's back in training, which is a real talent with yeah. Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson's look better, Josh King. So I feel with Bournemouth, they've got good players going forward defensively. I, I just wondered if they might have gone for somebody. No ins. Um, I, you know, we'll see. And it's more or to the championship. I mean, we've seen that. Go, go to the championship yeah, for defenders. Yeah, done it a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Howe has pushed the right buttons for Bournemouth for so long. You wonder if he has the, 
the yeah, right buttons, they keep him? <laughs> yeah, the right buttons to push yeah. here to keep them uh, out of relegation for Bournemouth. So that is Bournemouth. Right below them in the table is uh, Watford currently sitting 19th. Here's who came and went. You see Ignacio Pusetto brought in uh, for $9 million. Came in actually two and a half weeks ago uh, from Italy. So they're in a situation right now where they're trying to pull off the, the great escape. You know, last on Christmas, can you get out of it? You know, Leicester City did it back in 2014-2015. Their manager was Nigel Pearson. The manager for Watford, Robbie, is Nigel Pearson. Can he do it again? Yes, and he will do it again. Hmm. Uh, I'll say that. I mean, he's got a squad to do it. Um, there's always deals at Watford. I mean, with the Pozzo family that own this football club, they own Udinese in Italy as well. There's players going back and forth all the time. And we've often talked about this club, a, another one that are very good at recruiting players. Yes, they've had a bit of a disaster of a season. They've changed a the manager so many times. But Nigel Pearson is experienced enough. He's done it before. And there's enough, mo most importantly, there's enough quality in that dressing room to keep this run going. They're back in the bottom three, so he's not safe yet. Mm -hmm. But I do believe momentum, Troy Deeney being fit and ready to go, they will just stay in the division. Well, and having the experience of being there and seeing it out, I mean, that, that will be a benefit where yeah. players, players will, even though he's a new manager, he, he commands, he has that sort of presence where you can tell he gets people's attention and he will, I'm sure, cite how he did it last time. And we'll mm. say, guys, trust me. And the players will believe in exactly. that. Exactly. trust him. And the confidence of the group is, you know, Robbie said it, the talent is there. And mm. we've, we've marveled at the fact that they chop and change this team and managers season after season, yet still maintain something. Now they're on the precipice of was it too much or, you know have have they moved things around a little bit too much where it's a fragile you know chemistry of the group right now and where's the offense going to come from too is a question for them 21 goals scored this season for Watford that is the fewest in the Premier League we'll see if what they did today can give them a little bit of a boost and the final team in the Premier League that we're going to talk about is the team's currently sitting last in the table that is Norwich City it's a team that you, know, you see a lot of movement here and for a team that, that ranks last in basically every significant category in the Premier League, they got to try something. Although you noticed here, Kyle, not a whole lot of money going back and forth for them. And it, it's, it's not really been something they've done is spend a whole lot of money so far. Yeah, and um, with Norwich, I, I remember first game of the season when we were over there and, and um, Arlo and I were calling at, at Anfield. And... and I, I, obviously a big mistake from a defender early on in the game, and, and then we've seen what Liverpool are this year. But the second half, they they beat Liverpool in the second half. And I was I was looking at, at, at Puki, and remember he had that amazing start where he was scoring mm -hmm. a lot of goals. And I was thinking, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's enough in this group where they should be able to stay up. But them going to the market right now, it just, it just speaks of they know they've got to change some things up to try to survive this season. Yeah, I, I mean, when you have such a good season, I often think the champions of the championship will make a good fist to stay up because they're a good side. They've mm. proved it in, in that season, which is a very difficult and long season. I'm surprised they're at the bottom, to be honest with you. I thought they'd be OK this season. Um, now, I did hear Stuart Webber, the, the sporting director of the football club, say pre-season that our aim is to be in the top 25 clubs in England. Well, there's 20 teams in the Premier League. Yeah. So... I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it's not really the message I think the players want to hear. So basically saying, you know what, if we go down, it's OK because we're going to be uh, strong enough to bounce back up again because we're going to be the fifth best in the other division. So, and the money to, backs that story up. I think they'll be, we'll, they'll, we'll get an answer because I think they will go down and they'll stick together. I don't think they'll fire the manager, Daniel Farker. I think they'll stick with him yeah. and probably come back next season. Well, and, and, and fiscal responsibility is not romantic, but, but we, just, we talked about it earlier with Burnley. Yeah, not taking risk, huge wages, do whatever we can do to stay up. That's how you stay relevant and mm. don't become clubs that we've seen recently, Sunderland's and others, that, that just drop league by league yeah, because and, they take and, huge risks. And Norwich have got into financial difficulties before because yeah. of this very reason of overspending.
That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.